powerful thing. I think everybody in the room probably has experienced this firsthand, except for my wife, Meg, who's just up here. Fun fact, she has never been able to smell. Yes, that's true. Before COVID. Yeah, she was cool before COVID. Um, she's never been able to smell. But everybody else, we all know the power of smell, right? So I, th- I think about like uh, back in the day, I don't know for any millennials in the room, Fierce by Abercrombie and Fitch, the cologne. Hey, the women would come out of the woodworks. The pheromones or whatever was going on, you spray some of that, you get any girl, at least you thought. Um, and I don't know about you guys, but you know, you might think of your grandma's cookies. Oof, you just think, it's like the cartoon when the, the smell grabs you and just brings you to something. You, you might think some of you guys, uh, if you ever played sports and you're in a guy's locker room, junior high, boys locker room, sweat, axe body spray, fear, all that, just a bad concoction. Um, some of you, you probably have like a diffuser and you have aromas and help you go to sleep and, you know, you love those smells. What, when you think of a good smell, this is where you help me out a little bit. When you think of a good smell, what comes to your mind? Just yell it out. Coffee, Coffee yes. Bread baking. Bread baking. Toast. What, say that again? Oh, a new mowed lawn. Wow. Rain. Bacon. Yes. Mm. New car. Yeah. A baby. Yeah. I've not smelled a baby yet, but I'll believe you. Okay. Okay. What about bad smells? Also, baby. Yes. Yes. What else? What's something you've smelled before and you're like, oh, that is an awful smell? Rotten what? Rotten milk. Dog pee. Yes. Manure, burned hair, burnt eggs, dead skunk. Yeah, so we, we all are very aware that a good smell, it can attract you. You know, it's so pleasing. And a bad smell, it can repel you. It's terrible. And so we're going to open up the, the Bible today, and we're going to see that God has a certain smell that he wants you and me to know about, and it's really going to impact your life. So if you've got a Bible, open up to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, we're in a series about 2 Corinthians. Um, If you haven't been here, just the cliff notes, a guy named Paul wrote this letter to a church in Corinth, Greece, and part of the big problem is they were saying that, I mean, Paul, yeah, he might have started this church, but he doesn't care about you. He just wants your money. Um, He's not a good speaker. All these things, they're saying, you can't trust Paul, can't listen to Paul. That's really bad because if they weren't going to listen to Paul, they wouldn't listen to the message of Paul, which is about Jesus. And so Paul had to defend his character. He had to defend his love for the church, ultimately to defend the gospel of Jesus. And so we're going to pick up the, the letter in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, starting in verse 12. This is the word of God. When I came to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ, even though the Lord opened a door for me, I had no rest in my spirit. Because I didn't find my brother Titus. Instead, I said goodbye to them and left for Macedonia. So think about this. Paul was radically changed by the gospel. He was a missionary that was passionate about preaching the gospel. He left to Troas to preach the gospel and God opened a door for him to preach the gospel. And yet Paul had to hit pause and not preach the gospel. He had to leave Troas, where he was at, and go to Macedonia. Now, why would, why would a guy do that? 
Well, he was restless in his spirit. He had no rest. Why? Because his brother Titus, his brother in Christ, his ministry partner, wasn't in Troas. Okay, so what? We've been a lot of places. Our brothers and sisters in Christ aren't there. Why would that make him so restless? Well, because Paul wrote a letter. It's not 1st or 2nd Corinthians, but he wrote a letter in which it was a rebuke. It was a stern rebuke to the church, and it was the sorrowful letter, the letter of tears. It was a harsh letter that he had to rebuke them. And so Paul wrote the letter, and he gave it to Titus, and he said, Titus, deliver this letter to the church, and when you deliver it, meet me in Troas. So now it's come time to meet in Troas, and the only problem is, well, Titus isn't here. So now Paul's left to wonder, well, is it just that he got a little delayed and he's just, a little, you know, he'll be here soon? Or is it that when Titus delivered the letter, what if the church rejected him? What if the church rejected Paul? What if the Christians there hurt Titus? Is Titus in trouble? So instead of preaching the gospel with this wide open door, Paul leaves Troas and goes to Macedonia. Now when you hear that, you're probably thinking, well, gosh, man, Paul must have been defeated. He must have felt discouraged, right? His plans got thrown off. He wasn't able to tell people about Jesus. Or was he? Verse 14, but thanks be to God who always leads us in Christ's triumphal procession and through us spreads the aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. For to God, we are the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To some, we are an aroma of death, leading to death. But to others, an aroma of life, leading to life. Who is adequate for these things? So you would think, judging by the circumstances, that Paul's going to be defeated and discouraged and down. And yet Paul is thanking God. He's praising God. How? Why is he doing this? Paul knew that there was a reality beyond what his circumstances were. He knew that God was leading him in Christ's triumphal procession. Now that might sound really weird. It does sound weird. A triumphal procession, what's that all about? So Paul was taking what everybody at the time would have known, a simple truth about a Roman triumph, and then he's using it to communicate a greater spiritual reality about what's true in Jesus. So you've got to understand the Roman triumph in order to understand what Paul was experiencing. So a Roman triumph. So close your eyes with me real quick. We're just going to picture it together. So imagine that you're on the side of a street. Like it's a really long street. There's thousands of people lining either side of the street. Think like Macy's Day Parade, like big celebration. We're partying. Why are we there? Well, picture in your mind, we're there celebrating, and down the street comes the general. Here comes the leader of the Roman army who's just won this great military victory. He's won the battle. And now this leader is walking down the street, and all of his fellow leaders are walking with him. All the victors, all those who fought in the battle, they're walking behind him. But you don't just see the victors walking down the street. You see the captives. You see the prisoners of war in shackles, chained up, that are being led behind the victors. And they're being led to their death. They're going to be executed. And as you picture 
all of these people walking down the street, you also see incense being burned and rising up. You see this like cloud going up to the heavens, and, and in the Romans' mind, they're burning this incense as a fragrant offering to their gods. Now, as you picture all this happening, you start to smell that incense. See, to everybody there, the victors, they smell that incense, and it smells sweet. It smells like victory. But to all the captives there that you're watching being led to their death, they smell the same thing, and it smells like death. They've been defeated. They're about to die. You can open your eyes. So Paul took that picture that was so common then of this Roman triumph and said, it doesn't matter that the door was open and I couldn't go through it. It doesn't matter if Titus isn't here and I don't know what happened to him. It doesn't matter if I'm having relational problems with the church in Corinth. What, what the reality is, is that God is leading me in Christ's triumphal procession. Paul is one of those leaders that's walking down the street. Jesus is leading the way and Paul's walking along as a victor because Jesus has won the ultimate battle. And so here's... Here's the one thing I want you guys to know this morning from this passage, from the Word of God. You are the fragrance of Christ. See, in the same way that Paul's life was an aroma that goes up to the one true living God and pleases him, the way that Paul would share the gospel, the way that Paul would love the church, the way that Paul would serve the least of these, that was an aroma that was pleasing to God. And it's the same thing with you. Your life is a representation of Jesus. People get a sense, people get a picture, people get a reflection of Jesus through you, through how you live your life. You're the fragrance of Christ. And it didn't matter for Paul if he was in Troas or if he was in Macedonia, or it didn't matter where he was. Everywhere he went, he spread the aroma of Christ. And so you gotta know that about yourself. You, yes, in your imperfection, you represent Jesus to the world. You're the fragrance of Christ. But here's the deal. You don't smell good to everybody. Some of y'all smell like cookies and freshly mowed lawns and babies. And some of y'all smell like babies to other people. You know what I'm saying? Like some of you smell like the dead skunk. To those who are being saved... You smell incredible. People are attracted to you. People are drawn to you. But to those who are perishing, you repulse them. They don't want to have anything to do with you. But either way, you are an offering that is pleasing to God. How you live your life pleases God. And so now what? That's a powerful truth, right? It's a powerful truth that no matter your circumstances, just like Paul, you're the fragrance of Christ, no matter health diagnosis, family relationships, finances, no matter what, you are the fragrance of Christ and triumphal and, and Christ's triumphal procession. But now what do we do with that? What does that look like in our everyday life? So here's the one thing I want you to know. Spread the fragrance of Christ. This is the one thing we got to do. You and I, we, we've got to spread the fragrance of Christ every place, everywhere we go. Now let's, let's see how Paul said that that he did this so that we can understand what this looks like. Let's go back to the verses. Who's adequate for these things? I love that he asked that question 
Because if you really understand that you represent God to the world, you shouldn't be feeling adequate. <laughs> you, I know for me, I'm like, I, I got to represent Jesus? Me? No way. I can't do that in my own, in the flesh, as just Preston. I can't do that. Who's adequate for these things? For we do not market the word of God for profit like so many. On the contrary, we speak with sincerity in Christ as from God and before God. So Paul, when it comes to spreading the fragrance of Christ, he says, look, we don't market the word of God for profit. So there were people in Paul's day who, they didn't believe the message about Jesus. They didn't care about the people they were talking to. They didn't really want to honor God. They talked about God. Why? Because they wanted money. They just wanted money. They wanted profit. And isn't it true today? It's the same thing today. You'll see on TV or social media, hey, call in some pastor or preacher or whatever. Call this number and send your money so I can get my new jet. Call in, send your money. You got a blessing with your name on it. Call in, send your money for health, wealth, and happiness. They don't care about you. They don't really believe the message. They're not trying to honor God. They talk about God to get money, to get influence, to get power. Whatever it is, they're, they're motivated for selfish reasons. And Paul says, we don't do that. On the contrary, that's not how we share Christ with people. That's not how we spread the fragrance of Christ. There's three things he, he does say that we do. We speak with sincerity as from God and before God. So we speak with sincerity. So as you try to spread the fragrance of Christ where you live, work, and play, your neighborhood, your friend group, school, whatever, you got to speak to people about Jesus. But when you do it, do it with sincerity. So I know for myself, like, in order to help people share, I love talking methods. I love talking tools. I love talking questions and apologetics. I love some of that stuff. But I think sometimes people like me, and, and some of you maybe even, we get too wrapped up in, i got to say the perfect thing. And, well, what if they say this? And, you know, what, can I get them with this fact? Or can I get them? Maybe then I could. And it's like we go into this sales mode. Sorry to any of you in sales. Not that, you know, that's negative. But I'm saying we don't have to manipulate people into this stuff. You know what's really powerful is when you're just real. Is when God has really changed you and you really want other people to know him. When you speak like that, people hear it in your tone. People can see it in your face. People can tell by your actions you genuinely care about them. And you're speaking from a place that's real. So when you speak to people this week about Jesus, what God's doing in your life, whatever, just be real. Take the pressure off yourself. The second thing Paul says, we speak as from God. So I don't know about you guys. Um, I get nervous when I talk to people about God. You know, it's kind of weird. And uh, especially people I don't know. You're like, oh, what are they going to do? What are they going to say? One of the powerful truths that, that we've got to come back to, that I've got to come back to, is I'm not just doing this on my own. You're not just doing this because your church had an initiative. I'm not just doing it because I'm a pastor on a staff at a church. You've been commissioned by God. You've been sent by Jesus. You're speaking as from God on his behalf. You're an ambassador of Christ. You have authority. That's who sent you, God. So you can have confidence, even if they reject you, even if they don't respond. That's okay. You know who sent you. 
But you don't just have sincerity. You don't just speak as from God. You speak as before God. Again, I get nervous about, you know, what to say and how people are going to respond at times. And I think I should get nervous. I think that you should get nervous. Does that sound strange to hear that? Who should you be nervous when you speak? Not the people you're talking to. That's what I do a lot of times. I should be nervous. I should have a reverential awe because I'm speaking as before God. In other words, I'm going to give an account one day when I stand face to face with God of what I said. Did I say what was true? Did I honor him? Or did oh, I'm going to water it down? And ah, uh, yeah, this, but not that. And I'm going to, you know, pull punches or whatever. Honestly, we even should think as we're we're speaking as before God or are are we speaking? If you're not speaking, you're before God. When you stand before God and he says, hey, I told you who you were. I told you that you're my ambassador. I told you to spread the fragrance of Christ, to make disciples, share the gospel. Did you do it? Not did you invite a friend to church so the pastor could do it. Did you talk to people about Jesus? You're speaking or not speaking as before God. So we need to have a little bit of reverence and and a correct fear. Not fear of man, but fear of God. So a couple of Thursdays ago, our life group, we tried to spread the fragrance of Christ. So we, we try to do all the things in Acts 2, Acts chapter 2, where the early church, they were devoted to the word. They were devoted to fellowship. They were devoted to breaking bread and to prayer. We do all that stuff. That's great. One of the things that we noticed as we were reading through Acts 2 recently, we're just saying, hey, are we, are we doing this stuff? Are we really living this out? Is at the very end... It says, and God was adding to their number daily those who were being saved. So people who weren't Christians were becoming Christians regularly. And we're looking at our group, and we're looking at our church, and we're saying, man, to be honest, there's more people coming. There's twice as many people here right now than there were a year ago. Awesome. That's incredible. We're helping people take steps of faith. I love that. But I want to know, are we seeing more people come from death to life, darkness to light? Because I want that too. And that was happening regularly for them. And I started to think about, well, what do we do? Well, how much of what we do is with people outside of our group? Very little. So we did a Bible study. We read the Bible. And we saw all the things you already know. That Jesus commissioned us to make disciples, to preach the gospel. He sent the Holy Spirit to help us do it. We know this stuff. But we have to change our actions to do it. And so we just asked the group. I said, hey. What would it look like? What are some different ways it could look like for us to engage with people? And Kristen Renee Phelps, um, she was in the first service earlier, she was like, what if we come together, we pray, ask God to lead us, we'll go out somewhere, talk with people, pray with people, come back and debrief. Awesome. Let's do it. That sounds actually a lot like what Jesus did with his disciples. So I like that. So the next week, a couple weeks ago, came together, we prayed, said, Holy Spirit, where do you want us to go? Show us where spiritually hungry people are. We finished and said, hey, does anybody have some sense of where God wants us to go, where we could go? And people said, Target. And I'm thinking, hey, Walmart's way less expensive. I'm, I'm a Walmart guy. but So I'm thinking, all right, we'll go to Target. So we get to Target, and we split up into two teams. And so um, 
Abby Henning and her team, they go one direction. Me, Meg, and Mina, we go the other direction. And so, of course, I'm the pastor, right? So I got to be the one that initiates these conversations. Dang it. So I'm walking up to people, and they saw me. Mina can attest to it. That It was like, no, 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 no. I'm talking about like 0 for 5, bad baseball statistics, like striking out every time. And I was just walking up to people, and, and I was wanting to be pretty direct. So I, I'm not prescribing this, but I just go to people and say, hey, we're doing a prayer walk. We would love to pray for you. Is there anything in your family, health, finances that we could pray for? And I'm telling you, I mean, just re- getting rejected left and right. So I'm really not that worried about it because I've been rejected a lot. So I know that feeling. Um, why'd you laugh at that, man? <laughs> um, but... But what I am a little concerned about at this point is how it will impact our group. Because I'm thinking, wait a minute, if they see we stepped out in faith and we did this and God's supposed to be going ahead of us and working with us and we're being bold and then nothing happens, crickets, what is that going to do to their faith in God? Are they going to start to doubt that they could do this? So I'm like, God, you've got to come through. You've got to give our group some confidence that they can do this stuff. And so uh, Nelson, Nelson Lenore was like, hey, when we first got there, he said, oh, we could talk inside, we could talk outside of Target. And so at that point, I'm just desperate. I'm just thinking, hey, we got to do something different. Let's go outside. So we go outside, and I see a mom and like an out-of-college-age daughter, and they're walking up. And so I'm like, all right, here we go. So I'm like, hey, we're doing a prayer walk. Can we pray for you? And they took like two steps, and I kind of stopped. And the mom looked up and she was like, you know, we really could use prayer. And she said that her brother died the month before, that she was having a health crisis, and they didn't have the money to pay for it. So we said, can we pray over you right now? And we laid hands on him and we prayed for him. She just got tears in her eyes. And so then we finished the prayer and I'm thinking, well, I don't want them to just go through this alone. So, hey, are you all a part of a church family? We would love to support you all through this. And again, it's not like I'm thinking, oh, how can we get more people to church? No, I'm thinking these people need help. There's people out here who don't have relationships like this. And so they're like, well, we don't really go to church like we you know, used to, and COVID, and we know we should. And I'm like, okay, hey, can we swap numbers? This is my wife, Meg. Can we get your number? We'll follow up with you. Awesome, right? So I'm like, okay, I'm not a complete failure. We'll go to the next one. So then I tell my wife, Meg, I'm like, all right, Meg, it's your turn now. And so the f- Meg's first time, she's kind of standing there, and the people are walking out right here, and she kind of had positioned herself to, like, not fully commit, if you know what I'm saying. Like, it was kind of like a casual commitment. Like, she was kind of like right here, and so I'm standing over here, and so she's like, looks, and she sees these people coming out, and then she turns. She's, like, <laughs> looking around up here like I didn't see it, and I'm like, what was that? Like, come on. So... She gets back in there, right? And I'm like, you know, I'm 0 for 5 before I had 1. So here she's 0 for 1. Mother and two kids walks out. Meg just says, Meg says hey, we're, we'd love to pray for you. Crying. Mom is just in tears, just coming undone. And I'm like, my wife's the better evangelist? Like, what's happening right here? And so it was just, it was awesome to see someone that wasn't me doing this. And I'm like, yes, God can use ordinary people like us. And the, and the mom said, yeah, my, um, I think it was her mom died the month before. Her son was in the military. Same thing. Hey, we, let's pray over you right now. Boom. You're part of a church. Come get your number. It's going great, right? So then the final one. So there's, 
this group of like five guys, and they're like in their 20s, and they're like muscular and tough looking. And I'm at the point in my life now when I tell people like, yeah, like I played college football, and they're like, are you a kicker? And I'm like, I'm like, hey, come on now, come on now. Um, but so I'm like, you know what, Dad Gummit, I'm gonna go talk to these guys. And so I, I go up to the first guy, and he's like the leader, right? Like he's literally leading the way, and he's like loud. I can hear him talking as I come up. And I'm like, hey man, we would love to pray for you guys. We're doing a prayer walk. No, nah, I'm good. And I was like, okay. But here's the second guy, and I'm not letting him get away. So I'm like, hey, what about you, man? We'd love to pray for you. And he kind of paused for a second, and he was like, my dad has prostate cancer. All of a sudden, the first guy, leader guy, he said, what do you all mean when you say pray? Which just totally threw me off because I'm like, I thought everyone knew what that is, like, right? Like, pray. And I'm like, hey, we want to talk to God on your behalf. And he said, y'all out here trying to spread positivity? (laughs) And I said, no, we're trying to spread Jesus. He's changed us. We want to share him with others. And so we gathered around that second guy. We prayed over him, got his number. Did anybody come to Christ that night? I don't know. Probably not. Is anyone going to a church gathering today? I don't know. Maybe they are. I, I I genuinely don't know. But I know that we just took a step of faith. And we said, we're the fragrance of Christ. We want to spread this to other people. We know some people are going to say, oh, that smells terrible. We don't want anything to do with that. That's okay. But we know there's going to be some people who are attracted. And we know either way that we're in a a pleasing aroma to God, that God is pleased when we talk to people about Jesus. And so we did it imperfectly. And I share that just to say, what could it look like for you? You don't have to go to Target. You don't have to say, hey, we're doing a prayer walk. But what could it look like for you to talk to people about your faith and about Jesus? The people you live, work, and play with, uh, your school, your workplace, whatever, where, the gym you go to. What can you do to talk to people about Jesus this week? And so I, I did something a little different in the first service, and it didn't, it didn't completely fail. So I'll count as a win. But we're going to do it right now. So would everybody stand up real quick? Humor me. Stand up. All right, so here's what I want you guys to do. Um, Just forget that there's rows. The rows of chairs, they're just made up, okay? They don't even matter. Here's what I want you to do. Get into groups of like two, three, four, maybe like five people. Uh, The introvert's like, Dad, gummit, this guy. But uh, (laughs) just spread out. We got all the space. Spread out around the room. Take your chair with you. Sit down and get a group, and I'm going to tell you what's next, okay? Get a group. Invite somebody to join you. Okay, awesome. Say hellos, meet and greet. Um, So here's what we're going to do. So I want to give you guys space to process in a group. So when I I teach and I preach, I'm not satisfied with like, oh, that was a good message. I really want to do everything I can to help you apply this to your life. 
So uh, I believe doing this with other people is helpful. That's why I'm doing this. I believe this is actually going to help you do this stuff. So here's three questions. And here's the questions. What did you hear? How are you going to follow? Who could you share this with? So what did you hear? What was God put on your heart from this message? Keep that pretty brief. If you're like most Christians like me, you've been conditioned to just talk about what you think for long periods of time, and we're just rambling. Talk about what you heard from God, yes, but then get to how are you going to follow. I want you to really say, I am going to do this this week. I am going to meet with this person. I am going to prayer walk my neighborhood. I'm, for me, I'm going to meet with a guy Monday night. Uh, I'm going to talk to one person at burn boot camp every time we go to the gym this week. Something that simple. It doesn't have to be this big thing. But share what you heard and then get to and camp out on what are you going to do to follow this teaching? And then finally, just a name of a person. Maybe it's another Christian family member or somebody here or somewhere else. Just tell them, hey man, I went to church Sunday and the message was on 2 Corinthians and I just wanted to share this with you. You are the fragrance of Christ. You're the fragrance of Christ. And just encourage them with it and say, man, who could you spread the fragrance of Christ with? Who could you talk with Jesus about? So answer those three questions. I'll give you some time and then I'll tell us when we're going to move on. Go. So we're going to celebrate the fact that Jesus died to make us an aroma of life. Think about that. Jesus died on the cross. Yes, to take away your sins. Yes, to give you hope for eternal life. But Jesus died so that you could be the aroma that leads to life for people. And so if you're a Christian today, be reminded of that truth, cling to that truth. Jesus died on the cross in my place. So by faith, I can spread the fragrance of Christ. In the power of the Holy Spirit, I can spread the fragrance of Christ. If you're not a Christian today, I'm gonna be at the back of the room. Maybe you came here with a friend. Maybe you grew up in church and you're back after a long time of not being at church. And so... Uh, I just want to implore you and invite you today. You can become a follower of Jesus. You can become the fragrance of Christ. If you've never put your faith in Jesus, don't wait. The spirit of this age, our generation, what people are leading us into, it's destructive. It's not the answer. And ultimately, we're going to stand before God one day. I don't like that part of it. I don't get excited about that part, but there's going to be heaven and hell. We're going to live forever one way or another. And so for some reason, if you've been holding back, today can be your day. Put your faith in Jesus. Say, God, I can't, I'm not enough. I can't save myself. I can't get right. I'll never, I'll never be perfect. Will you save me? Will you come through for me? Will you change my heart? Turn from the way you're living your life. Trust in Jesus. And you too can become the fragrance of Christ. Let's pray together. Father, thanks for this group of people and their willingness to hear from you and to put concrete plans together for how they're actually going to take a step of faith, how they're going to spread the fragrance of Christ this week. So Lord, um, like Chris mentioned, you're, you're already at work. You're already working. You're there in all of these places. You're wooing people to yourself. You're convicting people of sin. You're opening people's eyes. We can't do that stuff, and yet you're already doing it. And so Lord, would you just give us the confidence to join you the people that are coming to our minds that we want to talk to this week, would you give us confidence that you are sending us to talk to people you're already working on? Help us to speak with sincere hearts that 
this is real to us. You've changed us. We, we love these people. Help that to come through. And Lord, help us to, to have that reverential awe. We speak as before you. Thank you, Jesus, for dying in our place. It's in Jesus' name we pray.